Hello and welcome to another episode of the UK Airshow Review Podcast. The podcast we started when we had no airshows to review. My name is Sam Wise. On the forums, my online handle is Wissam24. <laughs> and with me tonight are... I don't know why Ian's laughing. So. Laughs at anything. It's been a long time since I've done a podcast. I'm Dominic Vickery. Username on the forum, Dom Vickery. My name... <laughs> I can see you chomping at the bit there, Ian. I mean, this isn't in alphabetical order. But... <laughs> My name's uh, Dan Ledwood. You'll know me on the forum as Leadhead27. And I'm Ian Garfield, otherwise known as Ian G, on the forum. God's sake. Jesus. God, I wish I was in the southwest of England this week. Why would that be, Sam? What do you mean? Why? All the, um, the US Marine stuff, the helicopters. Oh. All the pictures have been coming out of um, Devon and Dart- Dartmoor and that. All the sea stallions and I think has it just been the sea stallions? Have they had the? Um... Oh no, they've had ospreys yeah. there as well, haven't they? No, yeah, the, the, the ospreys. God. The ospreys have gone as far as Farnborough. Um, yeah. Have the um, vipers been out? No, vipers and venoms haven't been out yet. But they're they're on another ship, aren't they? And they're going up to Scotland for yeah, that, so the the Vipers and Venoms are on the San Antonio, which San Antonio. is in. Is that not what I said? You said, you said San Stan. Antonio. Oh, shit. Whoops. He's, I mean, he's, a, he's a big some... Antonio Stan. <laughs> there may be someone on the boat called Stan Antonio. Um, yeah, so yeah, that's heading up to. I, I don't know where the Iwo Jima is. It's somewhere sort of sat in the Irish Sea at the moment. Um, but they've been having a good time, haven't they? The photos that have been coming out from Dartmoor have been unbelievable. Oh, incredible. Absolute. I mean, the, the people down there, the, the guys down in Devon, uh, uh, and we've we've had a few shots in the forum as well. I mean, fair play to those guys. They've been having a real time. <laughs> you know, the rarity of that stuff as well, coming here and then just, just, just going everywhere in the southwest at the moment by the looks of things. They've been flying around. They've been they've been um, proper, proper like amphibious like troop movements and stuff as well, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, I I am so excited for Joint Warrior. I've never been excited over an exercise before, um, particularly. But this year's got potential to really, really, really good. Mm. Um, I mean, it's a bit of a lottery as to what turns up, but it'd be nice to see some military stuff. Um Man was heaving today. Um, what are your thoughts on all the helicopters, Ian? <laughs> <laughs> What's for dinner? Uh, jambalaya, actually. I've never had jambalaya. Mm. I, I think I even know what it is. Um, chicken and sausage and peppers and celery in Cajun spice Ooh. with rice as well. That does sound good. For more recipes, please visit. <laughs> <laughs> The Yukar cookbook. How's that? Sounds similar. (laughs) Oh, that's absolutely something we should do. Airshow food. Homemade airshow. What airshows? What food we take to airshows? Plastic plastic (laughs) burger for seventeen pounds. No, what food we take to (laughs) airshows? Our favourite recipes to prepare the night before. Yeah, that's a good call. That's that's a that's a good shout. Sandwiches, sausage rolls, and Scotch eggs and stuff, but. Uh, sorry, but no airshow is complete um, without a flask mm. of tea. If there's no flask of tea, the airshow is not worth going yeah, to. Yeah, I would agree with that. 
Absolutely, and um, unreserved. And I, I have turned turned around and gone home to go and pick it up because I forgot it once. It was that important. <laughs> I mean, it took him all day to get back. He missed the air show. But... <laughs> <laughs> At least he had a cup of tea. At least he had a I, cup of tea. I will not be without my Yorkshire tea. It's just not happening. Oh well, no! Now I that I agree with Yorkshire tea. Ooh. We're not we're not sponsored by them. If they want to if they want to sponsor us, then get in touch. But. We're not uh, Yorkshire tea. I mean, I would be prepared to say is the official tea of the UK Asia Review podcast because <laughs> there, there, there there are no substitutes. The UK I seem to remember. Plane. Oh yes, no, no Dan, don't acknowledge it. Oh, well. <laughs> I seem to remember actually uh, Yorkshire tea. Yes, yeah, few, few years ago. Has he got one? Have you got a Yorkshire tea? Just mug? holding up a box oh. of. Yorkshire tea. Nothing in it. Well, oh, I can get one better than that. Just, just, just wait there a second. Well, I, just, I have a bag of like sixteen hundred tea bags under the table here. I don't want to brag or anything, but yeah, I got one of those. How's that? Jeez. How's that for Yorkshire tea? Oh, just, just the six hundred, is it, Dan? Oh, okay. just, just, just the six hundred. Oh, because that's that's about that's about a thousand less than I've got, but. Um, I seem to remember Yorkshire tea advert many years ago that had actually the blades in it. Um, that were coming out yeah, of the mother's thing. Moving on to uh, what we were going to talk about today when we came in and, and we're picking a topic. And, and I don't think we've really, to date on the podcast, actually, I know we mentioned about, we, we, we did do an episode on photography um, and sort of what, what we like to get from photography and, and with aviation and that sort of stuff. But I don't think we've ever talked about the gear that we use. Um which is obviously a huge part, well, huge. It's a big part of the hobby that often gets a lot of discussion, um, a lot of talk about what the best gear for the hobby is, uh, how to get the most out of what you've got. Um, and I thought, well, I thought, we, we thought it would be a good good idea to talk about what we use, what we've got over the years, um, how we use it, what the best things are in any sort of given situation and in particular dan recently uh got a new camera and a whole bunch of lenses and in fact that was actually a nikon to canon switch so dan's joined the good side um and so that's probably a, a good chat as well um i don't know if it's probably <laughs> might be a bit turgid just to go through and list everything we've got but what <sighs> <laughs> don't want to now, I don't, now I don't really know how to to, to launch into the subject. But... Well, well, I mean, you, I think I think starting with um, from the other end of the, the the more niche side. I mean, Sam, you've you've recently just purchased a couple of very interesting lenses that I'm pretty sure not no one potentially at an air show is probably or very few have used at an air show before in the UK. So, do you want to? Well, we really are getting into the extremely niche thing straight off the bat. Nerd. Um, I got a couple of... So I, I over the last few months, um, I've started sort of poking my nose into film photography. I think we've mentioned it on the podcast, maybe. I can't remember. Uh, and so I, I ended up buying a Zenit 11 uh, SLR off eBay. It's like 25 quid, and it came with a... Uh, Helios 44M4 lens um, so obviously a Soviet camera Soviet lens uh, which I haven't 
actually, well, <laughs> I have used it, but the film wasn't winding on, so it was Ian's gone again. It, so Ian's recording, coming to us from his loft today for some reason, and he's dropped out a couple of times now. Uh, so I can only assume he's he's too high for the Wi-Fi, which... Oh, what a rhyme. That's a fun little rhyme I came up with. Um, yeah, and so anyway, I ended up going down this rabbit hole of looking at how to use the lens on my SLRs, my DSLRs, so I have a Canon 70D and 90D. So I was looking at how to put that on the cameras just to see if I could use it on there. Turns out you can, there's adapters for it. And then I started going down a further rabbit hole of this whole scene that is out there. It's not huge, but it's out there of mounting vintage lenses on modern cameras. And I ended up, me with my sort of predilection for old Soviet stuff, uh, I ended up buying these two lenses, which are from the 1950s and part of the Grand Prix collection of lenses from the the 1958 World's Fair in Brussels, and they won all these, basically won the Grand Prix Awards. Da, 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 da. Um, so these two lenses are Tire 11, which is an f2.8 133mm portrait lens, and a Mir 1 f2.8 37mm. Um, if Dan sort of put me on the spot because in mentioning them, the, the mere one I might bring to an air show, but the actual, the the Tire 11, um, which I, and I've used both of these on my on my Canons. Um, the Tire 11 is really only suitable for portrait photography, and I've actually been using it to do some work photography recently, and it's a, it's a beaut. Like, it is a beaut to use. I mean, it's just a proper old lens, obviously manual focus. It's got this, you know weird two-step aperture system where you have to set an aperture limit and then you've got a, a, a manual ring for the aperture which opens and closes it anywhere between that range um which was very weird to get used to and still not wholly used to it but it's really interesting and it makes you think and it's a just a slightly different system on mounted on a dslr is quite good because that then still gives you the metering and you can set the shutter speed and all of that and brings all the advantages of a digital camera but but it's only really good for portrait photography. The reason I, the Tire 11 is really interesting, actually, and and the, there's there's the Tire 11A, which is more of a general purpose lens already. But the one I've got is the Tire 11, which is the original model, and it's this incredible silver body. Um, you know, it looks very industrial kind of looking lens. Um, but it has a 20-bladed aperture, which you just don't get on anything else, really, which gives this incredible bokeh effect, which is fantastic for portrait photography. Um, I've just spent a lot of time talking about lens that I have no intention of using for anything aviation. <laughs> maybe maybe <coughs> photographing air, cue for, air crew for stuff, but <laughs> you brought it up, Dan, so I talked about it. I mean, uh, I, I think it almost it would be interesting. You were talking about your old... Uh, SLR that you bought, taking, I'm sure that we've mentioned this on the podcast before, um, like taking, a, uh, I think, uh, uh, no, in fact we did, because we mentioned about someone who posted pictures from a disposable camera um, yeah. that they took to Ria um, a couple of years ago. And that'd be really interesting to do, a completely different perspective of going to an airshow and taking photos. Um, so it'd be interesting if, you did the same with your SLR. I mean, as you say, not suitable for 
Maybe maybe for museums rather. Airshows maybe it's not the right one. Maybe yeah, museums yeah, the, the, instead. The tire eleven, the lens might be good. Might might be useful in museums, but we'll see. Well, why don't you check check it out at Shuttleworth? Maybe get some of their vintage stuff on a vintage lens. Mm. Go for that sort of effect. Yeah, the 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 with well, this, yeah, the effect the when it goes down to two point eight, the the bokeh effect on it is incredible. It does have this incredible quality coming through the because the the twenty twenty bladed aperture makes an almost perfect aperture, uh, almost perfectly circular aperture, which can create just beautiful backgrounds. Um, what I do normally use for air shows though is I'm a big fan of. Well, well, so the the two lenses I would use for shooting planes, sort of flying and in the airship context, would be the 150 to 600 Sigma lens, which Dan, funny enough, has also got. Although you got the, I've got the contemporary. Contemporary, so I've got the Sport. It's actually my my dad's, but I have it on sort of permanent loan because he doesn't use it as much as I do. Um, and the Saints also Sigma 70 to 200 f4, I think it is. And both of those, are, I think that's a really, really good range for shooting the, the flying stuff. But um, you've not, you, sorry. No, no I was just, just going to say, so yeah, you've mentioned that um, I've ne- I've turned to the other side. I'm not going to be biased yet. Um, so I've gone from... You've come to the light, the side of the, side of the angels, <laughs> I like to call it. You know, it's funny, so... When I my the first camera that I ever bought, uh, my own money, um, was just a, a a compact, and it was actually a Canon compact. Um, and I, I mean, the photos. I mean, I was I was fourteen at the time, so they weren't they weren't brilliant anyway. Um, and then I went down the Nikon route, bought a couple of Nik, bought a D thirty two hundred, and then quickly changed to a well. <laughs> this is where it gets interesting. So. I I did it the wrong way around, and I'll admit that I got it wrong. I bought myself a, a the Nikon eight to four hundred um, AFVR lens, and then suddenly realised that it didn't fit on my D thirty two hundred. So quickly scrabbled around on the internet and found a D ninety. Mm. Now this was back in twenty fifteen, so the D ninety was already getting on a little bit. I think that came out in two thousand eight. Not getting on. It, it was. You know, still, still fine, but it wasn't exactly cutting edge. And I sort of, I, I haven't changed my equipment since then. I bought bit, bits of accessories like tripods and well, that's a story for another, uh, another point. Um, but yeah, I've sort of modelled through with that. I actually broke the D ninety at the beginning of January. I was doing a photo shoot um, for a mate in his race car, and I broke a shutter blade curtain. Um, I took it to uh, a maintenance place in Edinburgh and they cost me quite, they charged me quite, or were going to charge me quite a lot. I thought, do you know what? Now's the time where the D9, I, uh, I'm not going to toot my own horn here, but I'd taken that camera and that lens to its absolute limit. Was, I could get nothing else out of it. Um, it, it. It was really starting to show its age. It was slow. I think you can only get um, so you, you'll know, you guys will know this better than me. What what FPS can you get from a, a, a like a seventy D or a ninety D at the moment? Like oh. usually, uh, the ninety D I've got 
I mean, I don't know what it is off the top of my head, but it, it, even compared to the 70D, it has a very high FPS. Um, I, mean, I mean, on the D90, I think you could get four, five. Well, I, mean, I mean, well, you, you've got... that. The, the new camera Dan got is my old one of my old 70Ds. Yeah, Sam actually um, told it to me. And you will know... Or, well, I don't know if you've used it in burst mode yet, but you will know it's a lot faster. No, so I have taken the camera out, and, uh, and straight away I can realise... In fact, I took it to a Ferrari and Lamborghini dealership. So Sam gave me two lenses. They're not brilliant. They're, they're, there's a, he gave me a Sigma 18 to 200 and a, a very, very cheap Canon 75 to 300. But yeah. to be honest, they get, they get me by at the moment and they're, they're fine for backup lenses. And yeah, I've, I've used it probably once or twice now and it is, it's insane how, much better it is compared to the the D90 that I had. It is ju- just for simple things that I didn't have before, like having Wi-Fi built into the camera. Um, yeah, having a, I know not all newer cameras have it, but having the the LCD screen that you can flip and tilt. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got the leveling and stuff like that. It's it's so much better, and I've only used it on the the two slightly naff lenses that got given with it. So I've not I've not actually used my one fifty to six hundred mil lens yet. But as as I understand when I was looking to buy that that particular lens, I asked you guys and the other guys on the other mods on New Car, um, what's a decent lens to buy? And I think unanimously everyone said get a one fifty to six hundred mil Sigma because it, it's basically it it's basically the one everybody has. It oh, well is not a good everybody. lens. Uh, it, it just it for it, it, just for air shows, <clears throat> it's you know it is it is a really good range. Sometimes you'll have you you will want a slightly wider um, at the bottom end, but that mm. six hundred mil does a lot. Yeah, I mean for what for for motorsport as well, um, it is brilliant. It, um, it, it, well, hopefully it will be brilliant for the panning stuff. Well. Again, as you say, the, the 150 might be a little bit limiting, but I've got those other two lenses, which will hopefully do the job just fine. Um, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to getting out and about with it. The only thing that I'm concerned about is how damn heavy it is compared to um, compared to my other lens and body. Yeah, well, that... you haven't, you haven't. If you think the contemporary one is heavy, Jesus, the sport is ridiculous. I, th- I think I've hold, held your sport, and Christ, oh, it, I don't. Don't admit it on the podcast. But. <laughs> Sorry, was that our little secret? It, was, I mean, it would be well, interesting not, to I see. I asked you not to tell anyone. Uh, I've, I've been considering the upgrade from my... I've got a Mark 1, one to, Canon 1 to 400 or 100 to 400. I've been considering the 150 to 600. And I've been on in an R-end whether to go for the Sport or the Contemporary because there is, there is quite a big price difference. And I think that's what, what that's what's put me off so far. But it'd be interesting to see an image comparison from either of you two to see which one would be worth. Well, well, Tom, mm. Tom has the the contemporary. So there's your image comparison. Is what is whatever he's done with versus whatever I've done. Honestly, I don't think I need. Again, it's it's, it's my dad's lens that I borrow. Um, I don't think the the sport is strictly. But what what does it give you? It that... brings a lot of weight for durability, and I don't know 
really what else it's bringing. I'm sure there is a lot. I haven't actually looked into the differences, to be honest. I I think given to be perfect on the sport, the sport is probably almost certainly better for airships just because it's lighter. Because you you're having to hold it in your hands and moving about, pointing upwards. Whereas the the contem um, sorry the contemporary, whereas the sport really is meant to go on a, on a monopod or a tripod, just because of the weight, and it's good for shooting things like you know birds at nature from long distances or motorsport, where obviously everything's at the same level as you pretty much. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't think there's re- I probably would like it to be a lot lighter <laughs> to be perfectly honest. Um, but the image quality from it is very good. It does get soft out to right at the edge of the 600 limit, as you'd probably expect from something with quite a wide range. But it's still very, very good images, very sharp, um, and I do rate it. But, but I mean, just just get the contemporary. <laughs> you don't need all that extra weight. I, I don't, I don't enjoy lugging it around. To be perfectly honest, it is heavy. As you say, it's a it's a fair bit more expensive as well than a yeah the, than the contemporary by quite some way. Um, you would get the contemporary. You would get very good stuff with motorsport. I, again, yeah. I don't know what the difference is, but I'm assuming it's got better panning and tracking and stuff like that. For motorsport, if you if you to put it on a monopod or something, you it would be very good. And that's yeah that that's where it would probably you would find a difference where the weight doesn't actually matter because you're not holding it by hand. Yeah. Ian, are you Canon or Nikon? Uh, I'm Canon. What have you got? Uh, I've got a 5D3, which I've had since 2014, I think. I've got it just before the last Waddington show. So that, that's, so that's full my frame, first outing it? with it. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've never used a full frame. Obviously, I had the 70D and the 90D, both crop sensors. What... I mean, I don't know if you've ever used... You've, you've used both, but what what do you find with a, a full frame? Um, well, yeah, before, what did I have? Um, I think I had, well, I started on a Pentax camera, Pentax film and a Canon 350D. I was reading about the 350D actually the other day. Did you know yeah, there was, that a, was a really good camera? It was a 350D. Actually. Here's, here's a, a proper interesting fact for you. A 350D was used to take the very first photograph that was up, up, uploaded to the internet. Was it really? Uh, which was a picture of some random French band at CERN. Uh, and that was the first one that Tim Berners-Lee uploaded to the World Wide Web. Wow. Well, fancy that. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Um, <laughs> uh... <laughs> <laughs> and that's the end of the conversation. Brilliant. <laughs> I'd be interested to know. So one thing that I've always wondered um, and has been recommended to me in the past, when particularly last year when I was looking, uh, not last year, sorry, the year before when you could go to an air show, is um, someone said to me the best thing to do if you're looking, if you're not really sure what to buy. Because uh, I'll admit, when I was looking for something new to buy, I hadn't the foggiest where to start. When it comes to camera specs, I wouldn't. I I've, I know very. I yeah. I'm I'm the same. I've never. I've never I gone in on it. I don't. I certainly don't store it really in my head. Um, but the best thing that's apart from going off um, opinions of what other people use is renting stuff. But I've never actually rented a camera lens before, um, which I presume would have been a good way to 
get off feel of what would be suitable, what, what wouldn't be suitable. Um, yeah. um, how long do I mean, like, you could, I guess you could like, take it to Ria and then, yeah, yeah, but you just say, I guess the staples is Sigma and stuff like that. Um, I'd be interested. To, I would love to know the ratio of Canon to Nikon users at somewhere like Riyadh. Who who wins out? I'm sure it's probably a close to fifty fifty split. It probably um, it's probably certainly if you look at something like Friat, it probably skews towards whatever the latest release is. I would imagine because mm. a lot of people just there are a lot of people who will just buy the latest everything. Yeah. Um, All gear, no idea. Well, there is a lot of that as well, isn't there? Um, I just I don't get how people. I mean, camera stuff is. Well, it's not cheap anyway, but when new stuff comes out, it's a friggin' fortune. Camera, um, ca- it, it's a very expensive, isn't it? Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, I mean, as a as a reference point, the Sigma one fifty six hundred I just bought um, online was eight hundred and fifty pounds, um, which you know it's it's a big old smack in the face, um, and the new bodies that come out are. Well, thousands by the sounds of it. Again, I don't know. I don't look, to be honest. So I know that I can't afford it. I've always gone um, by. I, I remember when I when I first joined Ucar, there was it's always it's you know what new lens is always a, a very you know that subject always comes up every six months or so. I've always followed to upgrade your lens before your body. So mine, my my body is quite quite old, but. I don't know how true that is with modern technology or modern gear, but I've had my 7D for four, five, six years, and I bought that second hand as well. Mm-hmm. Um, before I go any further, or we go any further, um, don't delete it because I, I believe in only my mistakes. But that thing about the 350D being the first image uploaded, completely wrong. Um, it was an EOS 650. It's not even a digital camera. So, yeah, my 70Ds I got in, or my first 70D I got in 2013, and I, I'm, it still holds up very well as a camera. Fantastic camera, actually, the 70D I found. Um, Is that the one I've got now? The first one you got? That's the one you've got. I think it's that one actually that I sold you, the older okay. one, because obviously I'll give you the inferior stuff. Um, <laughs> You're just scared. Uh, yeah, well, this is the thing. It's Unless you are a profession, proper professional professional photographer, you don't need to be getting the latest stuff. If when you're doing it as a hobby, particularly if all you're doing is just going to an air show, I know that sounds quite snobby, but if all you're doing is going to an air show, what do you need the latest and greatest gear for, you know? Mm. Yeah. I, would, yeah, yeah, I mean... It... Sorry, go on, yeah. I was going to say, I would like to upgrade the kit that I've got. Um, you did ask before, before... Uh, my machine decided to do Windows updates and kick me off. Uh, what it was like going between uh, <laughs> crop sensor and full frame. Um, mm. uh, so it was a 40D that I had before, um, which was good. Um, I had the Canon 75 to 300 mil lens, and both me and my mate Peter we bought them at the same time, and his was spot on, and mine was always soft. Uh, it, it, that lens is notoriously soft at the extreme, so I just couldn't get anything decent off it at all, and it was frustrating mm. because he could, and it was just like my photography 
he's naff compared to his. But it, it was the kit. Um, through, through work, um, the photography department there, they bought some Sigma lenses. So first off tried, I think it was a 150 to 500 or something like that, I think. Um, mm -hmm. Which I took to a Waddington show. And that was a good lens, but it kept hunting, so the, the autofocus was crap. Uh, and I also tried a 120 to 400, which was spot on, and that improved everything, no end. I remember taking it up to the loop, actually, in about 2012, something like that. And I had mm. the first F F15s that I'd ever seen through there after like 15 or so years. And I've got that lens with me, and I was really pleased with the photos. It was just a good mm. combo that I got. Um, and then decided to upgrade, and I didn't know what to get um, at the time. And I can't remember whether it was. 60D or something that was out, whatever it was, the the, the decent crop sensor um, equivalent, and I opted to go for the 5D full frame, um, just because one I could afford it, but two it was slightly better quality. I just thought I might as well go for it. And okay. I'd got a 300mm prime as well at the time. So I remember going to a Shuttleworth show and uh, I got some really good photos, but it was good to be able to crop in. And not lose that much quality, which is the the, the one big plus for having a full frame. Um, sadly, of course, with everything that went on post Shoreham and the display distances being further away, it did have a big effect. Yeah, and it, mm. it was very noticeable, especially at like Cosby as well. Um, I think it was 2016. It was really naff weather, and they changed the display axis there as well, and things mm. were far away anyway. But even more so, I didn't bother taking any flying photos there it was it just wasn't worth it at all really yeah it, it was just it's been a marked difference ever since then um i've got i, I did get a 100 to 400 lens uh, as well and it's which mark, one uh, mark one or two mark two um hmm. and i got a 70 to 200 f 2.8 mark two through work as well uh, I'll let that bit out. Um, <laughs> well, that was a that was kind of a, a bribe to not make me go to another job a few years ago. Um, thanks, boss. <laughs> it worked. Uh, and I, to be honest, I used that one quite a bit, probably more than uh, for, for, for static shots because you got a bit more reach, full frame, and you, you can be a bit more creative, really. Yeah. Uh, and especially with the, the low aperture as well. And things like night shoots as well tend to use it quite a lot more. Um, but I, I was thinking, should I buy another camera? And I do want to because the 5D3, yeah, it, it, it's good, it works. It's had a lot of heavy usage for everything that I've done, all the motorsport and dog stuff, uh, everything else, all the weddings, things that I've done. So God knows what the shutter count is on it. And I'm, ju I'm just mm. worrying that I'll go and do a wedding or something and it'll just stop working and mm. I need a, need a backup. Yeah. Mm. And you know, I, I was having a good look at the start of the year as to what I should get and I was thinking do I go back to crop sensor or do I keep full frame and to be honest I, d I don't know what I'd do I'm sort of erring on the side of going to a crop sensor because the frames per second count I think that kind of appeals because I think I've only got yeah about six mm. it, the, I mean obviously I can't compare directly with yours but on the, on the 90D the, the count is the FPS is brilliant yeah um, I I mean, it, it, obviously, it depends what you're photographing as well. Uh, if you're yeah. just, just panning when there's a plane going across at an air show, even if you get, I don't know, 20 photos or something, 
it's, it's, you can get 20 photos on a 5D, you can end up with like 40 or 50 doing the same on like a 90D. Yeah. Um, obviously, that's a lot more work for you to go through. So it, it's it's one of those things. Is it really worth it? Yeah. Just to get like that one decent shot or, or whatever. Um, but yeah, you get to a point as well with your with the sensors as well and the you know, the, the size of your images, the megapixel size. You don't really notice it unless you're doing like a massive billboard print or something like that. Yeah. So of course, hundred you know, percent. It, it, is it really worth it having the you know the the, the the best sensor, the, you know, the the best megapixel size camera, and you know, the best resolution. Again, for for hobby stuff, for what we do, where we just we're taking pictures at a thing and we stick them on Flickr or we stick them online or whatever. Megapixels is absolutely irrelevant. You there there, there is there is an upper limit of what matters, and any camera you'll get now is way past yeah. that. Yeah, and the so the lens makes a, a very big difference as well. It isn't just 100%. a camera, you know, more than anything. The only thing I'll say to that is one thing that I noticed, and I think it's twofold, is the, I can't remember how the megapixels on the D9 compared to my new uh, 70D, but I've actually noticed a distinct improvement in quality, um, in image quality, well, sorry. Yeah, better, better, sen- better oh, yeah. sensor. But also, I mean, the... the the Achilles heel almost of that D90 was the fact that you couldn't go below ISO 200. Um, so it it made it made your photos quite noisy, um, even on a you nice say ISO. Yeah. Do you say ISO? Yeah. ISO. Uh, um, ISO ISO. I'm with you, Dan. Don't worry. Thanks, Dom. Wow. Um, is this a north-south divide? I'm in the middle, yeah. mate. I'm in the middle. This <laughs> the Midlands. I'm in the Middlelands. I'll text. I'll text Gordon after this and uh, <laughs> see what he says. Um, no, but I mean, I, I noticed it particularly when we went to La Ferte LA and it, you know, beautiful weather and stuff. And still, I was going yeah. through editing my photos. I was like, jeez. And because I had the direct comparison, because Sam was there taking exactly the same. Well. Near enough the same photos as me. Well, I, I mean, I was, just, I was taking better photos, but um, and um, I compared it. I was like, "Gee, mine are so much, so much noisier," mm. and it it's, it's bugged me for a while. It's also it, it it is just a factor of of the technology improvement. Oh, yeah, I mean, the D ninety was it's obsolete now, um, hence why I'm not bothered comparing it. I just decided to leave it. Um, and the it, 70D is almost the next generation long sort of thing yeah um, Ian you're saying you're talking about getting, thinking about getting a new camera would, would you get mirrorless ah funny you should mention that I've just realised this is going to be a very expensive podcast because I'm going to start looking now when I get <laughs> thanks <laughs> god um, yeah I was looking at mirrorless actually Um ugh. To be honest, I don't think I would just yet, uh, for a number of reasons. I don't think the technology, although it's good, I don't think it's sort of proven its worth yet. The other thing as well, because you're relying solely on an electronic viewfinder as well, the, the battery life, I don't think is, is there. And that's, I think that's a big factor to consider mm. for an airshow or something mm. like that. The, the, the images that I've seen are really good, and it's only going to get better, so I, I just mm. think... Uh, you know, this isn't Ian Nugget. I just think it's waiting just a little bit longer. 
You heard it here first. <laughs> do, 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 we get a, do we get a nugget per podcast? Next one to don't buy gold <laughs> coins. So. Glo- global photography expert yep. Ian Garfield. Available for <laughs> And weddings. Yeah. And weddings. Dog shoots. Yeah. I um I quite like the idea when I think about the kind of photography I like, even just within the hobby, the the static at air shows and museums and stuff like that. Um, I think a mirrorless would would really come into its own. Um, I've never used one before, and I've not looked too deep into it. And I think you probably have more than I, because I've not really looked at things like battery life and that. But when I look at the latest generation of stuff, specifically, I, I was looking at the R, Canon R5 and R6 just because they obviously they're new, and people are saying that the the electronic viewfinder is is you don't notice it um and people are saying the battery life on those things is quite good well you know whether that's a whole day lasting kind of thing i don't know but i think i think it, they're very very interesting to say the least yeah like i said there's a i think there's a lot more to come it is still you know although some of them have been around for yeah. i suppose quite a bit of time really it is still in its infancy and you know, mm. just just see how things develop, really. Mm. See what did get out. I, I hope your oh, Windows. No. I, I hope your computer does another. <laughs> I hope your computer does another Windows update. That was yeah. lost in. That was no. I'll go do an anyway. IT crowd. Just going to the hatch now, shall I? <laughs> No, in, in all seriousness, I I was very close to buying uh, a new camera a couple of months ago, and I was close to buying an R6, and I didn't at the last minute. I thought it, it isn't, it's not worth it, and ended up buying absolutely nothing instead. Mm-hmm. Um, but if anybody from Canon is listening, I, I wouldn't mind trying one out, you know, just to, just to compare. <laughs> it's annoying that you got in there first before I was literally about to. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we'll be more than happy to to trial the R. Was it the the R the R five? I think is the is the real the, the forty megapixel. Anything. Um, I'm sure yeah. we could post uh, reviews on the on the website. Glowing, of course. <laughs> um, what what other kind of stuff do you use, like photography wise? Not just lenses and bodies, but what kind of gear accessories? I have got uh, a little thing that I stick because uh, I haven't got an inbuilt flash on the 5D3. Well, yeah, Ian, but... that's a whole other podcast. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's... <laughs> Sam, it's a bit sexual with you tonight, isn't it? Oh, Christ. I've like had a, a few... couple of beers. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I've got a little item, little device that I st- stick on the hot shoe of my camera, um, which I have stuck my phone on. So I can film stuff. As oh well. yeah, um, which is quite useful. I say useful. I used it in the Mac Loop a couple of times. Um, not for anything special. It's just you, you kind of miss it when you're looking through the looking through your lens. So it's nice just to have a, a video footage to look back on. Let's um, do exactly what it was. Mm-hmm. Just show people. Um, also got a Black Rapid uh, harness as well, which. I, I suppose I used to scoff at people with harnesses when you, you're walking around with a couple of cameras dangling by the side. Uh, I always used to rely on... on uh, God. I was going to say something about strap-ons then. I'll edit this out. 
that wasn't <laughs> didn't come right in my head when I was thinking it. I used to rely just on the strap on my camera, um, but I changed to. Change to the uh, <laughs> uh, Black Rapid harness uh, over the shoulder harness, which has been invaluable <clears throat> actually. So, yes. like a sling? Uh, yeah, sling, that's the word I'm looking for. Uh, and yeah, I don't think I'd go back to anything else actually. That, that's been really good. Although the plastic toggles broke, I, I, which cost about 25 quid. I'm quite similar. I always used, I always used to, look to, to see the slings and think, ugh. No, it's a bit bit weird, and now it's like, yeah, but it is unbelievably comfortable and convenient, and doesn't pull your head down all day long, and yeah, it, I, I actually would say anyone, I, I would recommend slings. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know if, if Dom and Dan, I can't remember if you guys use them at all. I'm um, n- now that I've got the one fifty six hundred Sigma, I am actually wondering about whether to buy a sling, a harness or not, because... Oh, well, for, for that, you absolutely want a sling or something like that, because that will weigh... You, you don't want that hanging around your neck, definitely. I mean, it, it, it was bad enough with the 8400, and you walk around with it, it's horrible on your neck. Um, it also rubs your sun cream off, so I get really bad sunburn. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, just, just something more comfortable to to carry it around with because you are knackered at the end of the day so anything to make it a little bit more comfortable would be ideal for me it's that I, i'm going to look into that rather than because i need to buy a new shutter release um uh, shutter release um because i've switched from nikon to canon but i'd rather look for a harness for it. more important it is, it is amazing how much difference the harness makes actually Mm. The, 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 yeah, I, I unironically, I unironically recommend um, slings to. Uh, so I'm, I'm I'm trying to find. I'm reaching around my bag trying to find my stick because I left. Because stupidly, just before, as we're doing a podcast about photography gear, I left all my camera stuff or half my camera stuff in the office. I'm doing some work shooting there tomorrow, so I'm trying to find the sling and op. It's an optech something like that maybe. Um, that I use, and they do a sling, an over-the-shoulder sling, um, which I rate is really comfortable. I've, I've had a couple, and they've lasted me for a long... Yeah, I think it's Optech. O-P-T-E-C-H. And, uh, yeah, I, I genuinely, unironically recommend to everyone, if you, particularly if you're carrying heavy lenses around like you would for air, air show stuff, get a sling. It looks stupid, but honestly, you'd... you'd get over it very quickly and the mm. increased comfort and convenience at the end of the day is because because i'd rather have you know even walking around with a couple a big lens i'd rather have sore shoulders than a, fuck, a sore neck you know yeah um one piece of kit that i have wanted to plug on the podcast for a long time um that uh, even even since before we started actually i got it i think i got it last february is talking about slings and harnesses and stuff i uh have had a couple of bodies for so a couple of camera bodies for a while not human bodies <laughs> um i've had a couple of camera bodies for for a number of years and i never found a suitable solution to carrying both of them around um uh and what i always used to have was one on a sling and then one with sort of a neck strap just just stuck on my shoulder and it was fine but it was inconvenient and it didn't really do much and it just meant all the weight was going on one shoulder and all of that um and it wasn't 
good fun and and as i found i came to use two lenses more and more and more whatever i was doing i just decided i needed to do the better so i know i know in fact all three of you guys were there when i used it properly for the first time um and it's it's a a two-body harness that i have and it's called it's got the worst name in the world it's called the hold fast money maker (laughs) it is a fucking awful name um balling it, it so i think i think it's made i think it, it comes from a company i think in oklahoma which i think is in the south of the u.s which maybe that kind of name works there but i think for the uk market absolutely garbage name i mean good god it's such a turn off that, that's up but that's the up there with tom's isis power bank <laughs> <laughs> never understood how he got that through security. <laughs> but the harness itself is really so it's, it's it's the reason i got this one in particular it's i'm not gonna lie it was quite it's kind of spenny it's, i think it was about 200 quid um and it's it's the one i got in particular is is these buffalo leather the reason i got that one rather than a cheaper one was because i didn't want to get something that was just more sort of black polymer um nylon you know sort of neoprene kind of stuff that just very tactical looking sort of faux military kind of um design which a lot of people seem to go for and i i just didn't like that i didn't want to be walking around in that i wanted to maybe have something that stood out a little bit more um so this is this brown buffalo leather um harness that goes over both shoulders and it is actually brilliant it has these uh, amazing sort of connection points um i won't get it out actually it's in my drawer but it, it's it's a really really good it pulls your shoulders back while you've got the cameras on they're both at really convenient points for grabbing with either hand they come straight up as you pull them up um and it, it can be adjusted so it fits on your body really comfortably and i would genuinely recommend if people with two bodies who want something very comfortable it looks a bit different it it either depending on who you ask it either looks has a bit of a sort of magnum pi look or it looks like some sort of bdsm <laughs> accessory um and that's why i didn't go for the black leather one i went for the brown one <laughs> um they're not doing a frilly red one <laughs> no they don't or one fluffy pink either um get some handcuffs it is a uh, well it does have metal buckles and all of that <laughs> but it is it is a very very good piece of kit and unfortunately obviously i got it at the beginning of last year and i've used it a couple of times and it has come into its own both times but i haven't had much opportunity to use it um somewhere like walking around a react static it will be brilliant because they'll both be my side yes i'll look like a bit of a burk but you do anyway do i care i want to just walk around with convenience with the cameras taking nice pictures um and if you've got two bodies it it, it is you, you you should get a harness for two bodies i think because it 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 the convenience is fantastic and it is comfortable and it, it spreads the weight over your whole upper body as well um rather than just sitting on your shoulders and you'd be amazed after after using it for a few hours you do notice how much it is not just all putting it on on you know one point on your shoulder mm. um the ah. only the only downside i found to it was when i had when i was using it with the 600 mil lens just the back of the lens was clunking against the other one on the other side so that was the only sort of way it wasn't working 
if I was using my smaller lenses, such as the, I've got a 50, Sigma one, uh, 50 to 100 F2, 2.8, and um, 18 to 35, I think it would be lit, it would be perfect, I think. Mm. So that's just my little plug. <laughs> Swag some free stuff. The the other the other thing I've got as well is uh, battery grip as well. Oh yeah, yeah. I would mention because that I I did a my old boss's wedding in Italy actually um, about I don't know four, 12, 13 years ago. Kind of like I'd like you to do my wedding photos. So you are so okay. So I borrowed a load of kit and as a present he bought me battery grip, uh, which fitted whatever I got at the time thirty D I think it was. Uh, so every camera that I've bought since then. I've had a battery grip for it because I like the feel of it plus the extra battery life as well and it, it, it just makes the, the camera a bit more versatile really so yeah I've got the same on my did I did I put the battery grip on your one Dan uh no I've I've uh no I've not got a battery grip no that's no you are right because I just took it off that one and put it on my 90 it does and I actually find particularly for using a larger lens on the front it adds a little bit of uh, weight just slightly counterbalances it not a mm. huge amount but it does add a little bit more weight on the back um i i think a, i think another one that i've i've only ever bought one i used to have a camera satchel the big one for me has been having a not a really good camera bag so i've got a manfrotto bag i wouldn't be able to tell you what the actual like product code is for it or anything but, oh, it's so nice to carry. Um, as you say, like Sam, you avoid like neoprene and materials like that, but it's got nice rubberized. Um, like, Christ. <laughs> it's got nice straps. <laughs> <laughs> so it's comfy. Plenty of. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, plenty of plenty of holding points, they, but um, yeah, I, I've tried. Say with the sash, it's really uncomfortable. That whole thing of again, you you sort of all the weight on one shoulder. It's really uncomfortable, not not pleasant to carry around. Um, it's been, but you can even you can bung a tripod on it as well, and it's mm. very easy to carry around. Manfrotto tripod as well, which has been very good as well. Um, I'm not actually used it that much because I don't do that much night photography um but a really solid really solid tripod that's got a nice amount of weight to too light and it's all over the place fantastic the man the thing i found with the manfrotto stuff is it is expensive compared to competitors but you are paying for better quality like the the quality really is there the the bag i've had for about six seven years now and it's it's not showing any signs of getting worn out or anything like that. I, yeah. I find that is generally the case with the camera stuff is you get what you pay for. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, you look at some of the lenses that cost thousands of pounds and they are horribly expensive and, you know, for a lot of people unattainable, but you will get better results with stuff like that. They just, they just are better. Sometimes things can dip a bit in, in value for money, but, um, it is an expensive hobby, but it's expensive for a reason because at the upper end, they are in- incredible pieces of engineering that produce incredible results a lot of the time. If you've got someone sensible behind it, obviously. 
that's why a lot of my, well, pretty much all of my gear is, is second hand. Just because the, the, mm. the sheer cost of buying it outright brand new. Yeah. You know, like, like you said earlier, for, for using it as a hobby, less than 10 times a year. I can't, I yeah. can't justify spending that amount of money on brand new kit. Mm. No. It is quite remarkable how far things have come in a relatively short period of time because it, it was probably, was it 15, 20 years you've had the transition from film to digital? And then, of course, that's sort of had a big effect on you know, consumer digitals and that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, the, your, the increase in resolution from the early digital cameras and, of course, going into phones and that kind of stuff. And like I said before, you do reach a kind of limit where there isn't that much noticeable difference, mm. I suppose, looking on the screen, that kind of thing. And it, it will only get get better. You don't have to look at like, modern smartphones today and the, the camera resolutions. Mm. Well, yeah. And of course, it, it's not... It does frustrate me at times because people go, on, oh, yeah, I've got this photo on my iPhone. It's like, I don't know, 20 megapixel or whatever. I don't know what, what they are. And... <sighs> Just getting the same photo that you get a photo of exactly the same as somebody can get on a smartphone of a plane on static or something, and everybody sort of hollers over that picture rather than one you've got on on your camera. Mm. It is a bit frustrating because it's a camera phone at the end of the day, but mm. you have to marvel at, at how they've managed to fit something so good in a relatively small piece of equipment. Really. Well, we, we've mentioned it before. Dan and I went around the, the Bucharest Aviation Museum. We only used could only use our smartphones. Very happy with the results I got. Yeah, well, I I I, I bunged mine on the laptop and it looked just as good as what I'd get off the off the camera. You were yeah. amazing. Well, maybe for you, Dan. Oh, Sam, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> um, should we call it a day there? I don't know if anyone does. Anyone else have anything particular they want to? No. Would it be worth asking or talking about why we bought our first SLR, or is that something completely different podcast? Um, that might be something else. I mean, I uh, unless you've got a quick story to tell, I guess. I got mine because my dad was done with it and he upgraded and he handed it on. <laughs> well, actually, the reason I bought my first SLR was uh, XH five five eight. As soon it went, was it? yeah, when when they said it was time, you know, it's it would always be time limited. I thought I, I want. Actually, yeah, I want, I want to get a decent photo of it. So, rather than just walking around with a point and click, point and shoot, mm. yeah, I bought mm. my first SLR. Yeah, strangely enough, I'd gone, gone through some of the photos, and I haven't got that many photos of the Vulcan at all. <laughs> it's, it's quite the busy. ironic thing is, I, I have, I, there's only, there's not, I think it was 20, React 2015 was the best photos I got. Yeah. yeah. It's last season. F. Stop. Before we go, one quick thing I want to say. I've been playing a game called Airport CEO, which is really good fun. I think if you're into civil aviation, you like airports and stuff, it's quite good fun. It's sort of a top-down buildery type thing. Uh, I just thought I'd give a shout-out. I've been really enjoying it. I think it's 20 quid on Steam. Um, Someone say civil aviation? Hey, I, it's it's a cool game. I'm really enjoying it. You build an airport, and it's quite in depth, so it's good fun. Um, that's been another episode of the UK Asia Review podcast. You can follow us if you're not already 
on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at UK Air Show Review. Uh, our website is airshows.co.uk where you can see all our past reviews, features, uh, and assorted other stuff that we've done. <laughs> Cam reviews. And you can also visit the assort- the uh, associated <laughs> forums uh, at forums.airshows.co.uk. Join in discussion. Obviously, there's there's actually quite a lot of discussion about uh, photography and cameras on there, obviously, as well as lots of photo threads of aviation. And there's still people putting stuff up now, even when there's nothing going on, because a lot of people are going over old albums and uh, uh, people digitizing slides and things like that. So check that check them out. Um, so I suppose that's goodbye until the next episode.